Let's focus on the largest city in Metro Vancouver at this moment. Joining me now is Ken Sim. Mr. Sim was sworn in as the 41st mayor of Vancouver on November 7th last year. His ABC majority slate was elected on a platform focusing on affordability, public safety and mental health and addictions. And since then has also promised to bring the city swagger back as well. (laughs) I had to throw that in. Welcome aboard, Mr. Sim. Oh, come on, Jazz. I thought we're on a first name basis now. Sure. Welcome right. aboard. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. So are you enjoying it? You know what? I, I love it. I really do. And uh, uh, just to be very clear, I, I didn't, when I ran for office, the reason I did was uh, my four boys, our four boys don't see a, a future for themselves in Vancouver. Yeah. And so I was willing to, you know, do a job that I thought would be actually uh, terrible. Um, you uh, expecting it wasn't going to be fun. I thought it would suck. Um, for the most part, um, yeah. but to, you know, maybe twenty percent of it would be great. And the, why did you think it was going to suck? Well, you just saw what happened in the council before, and the bickering and the fighting, and how mm. things didn't get um, done. And you know, people, there's this preconceived notion that uh, you know government is slow and it's painful, and and so I thought it'd be terrible. But uh, the complete opposite. I I love probably ninety percent of what we get to do and uh, the interactions that we have. Um, and so it's it's been incredible, and it's very humbling. It's, it's an honor to actually have this uh, role um, amongst my team, and um, it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, let's focus on some of the the challenges uh, that are before you. There are always challenges before any elected official, especially when you're mayor of Vancouver. Recently, uh, the Port of Vancouver said announced uh, the many uh, events that will be occurring during Canada Day. One of the things that wouldn't be occurring uh, are the fireworks, and there's a tremendous amount of disappointment that's certainly sensed on this show from our callers. Can that be changed? Do you have any desire to change that? Oh, yeah, we, we do have a desire to change it. Um, we've been working on it, but uh, I, I do want to put out that, uh, first of all, it was a Port of Vancouver run uh, event, and uh, we, as the city of Vancouver, we should be very thankful that they stepped up in the past, ran into some challenges, and, you know, we don't know what the end result's going to be this year, but I can tell you um, we're going to ask, uh, be it the Port of Vancouver or any other group, um, if they're willing to step up and help us with it going forward, we'd love their support. So can that be... Can and will there be fireworks this July 1st or is it too late? Uh, it might be too late just because the runway is really short and it's not even, um, there's a financial aspect to it, but there's also a logistical aspect to it. Okay, so but you are at least as a city working towards potentially bringing back fireworks next year then? That's the plan or yeah. the hope? Yeah, that's the hope. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I kind of box myself, uh, paint myself into a corner here, but I, I, I'm very hopeful that it will be there next year because uh, the financial commitment in the whole scheme of things isn't significant uh, for, you know, the right uh, group to step up. Yeah. Um, this year we have some logistical challenges, so I, I'm not going to say it's it's done, um, but it, it's it's unlikely that we're going to see the fireworks uh, on Canada Day. Yeah. The yeah. uh, reason I say that, it's just, it's, um, uh, when you talk about a world-class city, wanting to bring the city swagger back, and I know it's not the city's decision, but there's something odd about shutting down Canada Day or the events ending by 6 p.m. and everybody go home after that when you want to be encouraging people to come to Vancouver, spend some money at the restaurants in the evenings, enjoy downtown Vancouver, all of that kind of stuff, though. Yeah, and, and look, we're, we're all on the same page. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, we're, 
you play the cards that you're dealt. And if we had a little more runway, it could have looked different. But uh, you know what? Uh, we uh, put it uh, in our data banks uh, yep. going forward. But it also uh, helps us, you know, as we're projecting forward, we shouldn't take any of these events for granted. And, you know, what are the other iconic events that we want to make sure uh, survive and thrive going forward? So we're not hit with something with, you know, five or six weeks notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's focus on uh, another issue in the city, safety, security, mental health and addiction. On April 5th, the city shut down parts of East Hastings Street. The garbage trucks moved in into the area. Police took down tents and makeshift homes. Uh, the Vancouver Sun reporter Nathan Griffin reported uh, in the last few days that internal emails at Vancouver City Hall in the days leading up to the uh, April dismantling of the encampment showed that there would be not enough beds to shelter people who were displaced. Um, were you aware of that, number one, and did you decide to go ahead with it anyway because it needed to be done? Uh, what was the sort of thinking behind the scenes? Okay, there's probably about three uh, different things yep. that we have to cover. So, first of all, uh, we did make sure that there was enough, you know, and I can't comment as to, you know, uh, what was in those emails, but I can tell you on the day of, uh, we were on the phone with the province, with BC Housing, uh, looking around, and there was you know, there was enough housing there. Um, maybe not right directly in, you know, two blocks away from the downtown east side, but throughout the system. Um, we In Vancouver. Yeah, in Vancouver. And so if you look at actually what happened, every single person that put up their hands uh, uh, for uh, housing got it on April 5th and April 6th. And so... Were you aware of that before the police moved in? I mean, was that conversation occurring beforehand saying, look, we're going to be moving these all these people... Uh, we better have homes for them. And you're telling me that you had enough already before you moved in? Yeah, we felt very confident. And so to give you some context, eight months before April 5th, we had been working on, you know, very... And this this happened during the previous administration. That's when it started. And it was the City of Vancouver-led, uh, City of Vancouver Engineering-led um, initiative with support through uh, with the rest of the city. But... Um, very empathetically and compassionately, we were looking for housing solutions for everyone and we were offering people housing. And I forget the actual numbers, but I think 97 or so, like, I, actually, I don't want to quote the numbers because I know I'm going to get them wrong. I don't have the data in front of me, but, you know, every uh, we housed a lot of people. And then for about two months leading up to April 5th, um, basically, people um, didn't want housing. Like, they, they would refuse it. Uh, a week before April 5th, uh, we, we put the notice out um, that we're going to uh, be removing structures because now it wasn't an issue about homelessness. It was public safety. And I can talk about all the challenges we had, you know, um, the, the organized crime that was in um, uh, the area, you know, um, um, Mexican drug cartel, uh, Haitian gangs, organized crime from Ontario. The list goes on and on. I can talk about the 50 women that were surveyed by Atira, uh, 50 uh, women, um, all of whom had been assaulted and sexually insulted and all 50 who did not feel safe. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the, the weapons we're pulling out. That, you know, we should be removing those structures for that reason. But, but, the but big, part of your decision making yeah. was just that, in regards to saying there was immediate issues, immediate challenges that, in regards to public safety. That's the, big, the biggest challenge and we were enforcing a fire bylaw. Uh, we pulled out over 2,000 propane tanks, including 100-pounders. And I, I want the audience to imagine um, if one of these tanks uh, on the 100-pounders, if the safety devices uh, failed, uh, an explosion would take out a whole city block. And so now you're not talking about people being displaced. You're talking about you know hundreds of people could have died. Best case scenario is if one of those uh, devices went off, um, no one gets harmed, but you lose 
hundreds of units of housing stock. And so we, we had to. It would be irresponsible not to do it. And my question for, to every single person um, who felt strongly against what we did, what would they do differently? Do you think the city is safer today um, since you've been mayor, or do you have more work to do? Oh, well, first of all, we have more work to do. So let's be very clear about that. Um, and you can look at the data um, and form your own opinion, um, but it doesn't even matter about that. It's whether or not people feel safe. And so we still have a lot of work to do. What I can tell you on the downtown east side, people do feel safer. And we're getting, first of all, it is safer. We still have work to do. But when you remove all those, you know, um, structures that were, um, you know, causing, you know, uh, safety concerns, Right there, we know we're safer. Uh, when you speak with, like, people are coming out of the SROs um, and different um, housing, um, you know, um, situations in the downtown east side, and they're coming down and they're thanking our, um, you know, our engineering crews and our uh, firefighters and our police officers because uh, they feel safer as well. But yeah, we, we still have a lot of work to do. We are speaking to Ken Sim, uh, Mayor of Vancouver. Lots of issues uh, on the table here. We're talking a little bit about uh, safety and security, mental health and addiction. We talk about fireworks on Canada Day. Let's talk about the other issue, um, Ken, which is, of course, housing. Uh, Vancouver uh, was on the so-called naughty list. Um, Does this change um, how you, as a council, move forward in regards to approvals, or is this just a case or a catalyst for you to just move a lot faster? Does this change anything when you were on the naughty list along with the Deltas and, and North Van District and many other communities, the top 10? Um, is this now going to change things at City Hall in regards to approvals? No, nothing at all. I, you know, I, we came in and we made it very clear um, we need to build more faster. And so that doesn't change. And I think it's actually great. Let's uh, call it what it is. Um, Vancouver has been a tough place to, you know, get a permit. Like you have to wait, whatever, six to 12 years to get a permit to build something substantial. And that's just not acceptable. And so we actually like being on the list. I know that's a little counterintuitive. Um, you know, it, it highlights the fact that we can do a better job and we're going to do a better job. When can citizens and business leaders and developers see progress from City Hall, literally to come in and put, uh, you know, walk in with a proposal? Like, when can you noticeably see progress from, from City Hall? When should people start judging City Hall on that? Well, I, I would say give us a bit of time. Some things are already happening. Um, so if you look at um, the projects that have come to council, um, I don't think we, I, I think we've approved every single one. And so that's in the works. Um, and we're, we take it with the view of if something makes sense for the city over the next 30 years, we're going to do it. And so um, while there might be some vocal minority in the neighborhood um, that are concerned, we have to look for the greater good of the city. And so mm-hmm. that, that's been an attitudinal shift. Anecdotally, I I know some people have challenges still, but what we're starting to hear are some really good stories as well as, you know, um, now we're getting, you know, and like I said, this is anecdotal, mm-hmm. um, but people having ex- experiences now where they got their permits a lot faster than they're expecting. Um, so, but a, a lot of work still has to be done and we are, you know, we're tackling it every single day at the city of Vancouver. The development issue is not just a Vancouver issue, greater density uh, impacts uh, livability and the character of neighborhoods. So that's an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Now add to that the broader issue of reconciliation, uh, specifically in regards to uh, what we see in Vancouver. It's the Sinoc development is one where you do have to work with the city, but ultimately 
these are First Nations lands. You also have uh, Jericho lands and uh, the initial uh, view and proposal being introduced, I think, publicly on June 16th this month. Mm-hmm. Um, these two proposals, uh, in many ways, can change the face of Vancouver, uh, can lead to greater density, tremendous amount of concern from residents in and around those areas as well. Uh, are you generally supportive of both, or, or is there, do you think, a way for non-First Nations communities in and around those two proposals to have a greater say in regards to how they're built? Because the ultimately the concern is there's so much density that mm-hmm. doesn't generally fit what you would have in Vancouver, and the worry is it changes the character of neighbourhoods. How do you view those types of developments within the context of the city? Yeah, I, and once again, we take a longer-term view. First of all, it's the right thing to do. Um, so at Sanok, first of all, it's Squamish uh, territory, and um, uh, sorry, uh, MST. And so we, we support it. Um, I'm actually, and I say I, um, I'm actually very excited that it's happening. And we hope that it succeeds because it can actually show the rest of, uh, you know, the city of Vancouver and the region how you can build a lot faster. And we are going to bring in incre- like a, a large number of units. What is it, like 6,000 uh, units mm-hmm. uh, to the city? And, you know, we need that housing. And so the conversation is how do we work better with, uh, you know, MST to make sure that it's a, that it's a success. And so we're going to be um, incredibly enthusiastic partners on that. Uh, when it comes to Jericho, yeah, like, um, you know, uh, the residents of Vancouver can have a say, um, but make no mistake about it. I think we have an uh, incredible opportunity to paint an incredible future. Do you uh, have a role to sell those projects or do you think that's um, up, up to the Musqueam, Squamish and tsleil nations? Because there is going to be in any development concern, opposition, but the people selling it, discussing, conversing, uh, and, 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 and to residents. Is that your job or is that MS, MST's job? Well, I, I think uh, as uh, mayor and council, we have two roles. One, to make sure that, you know, that we represent the, the residents of the city of Vancouver. Um, and we make sure that, you know, we have, like, the, uh, the city of Vancouver's voices are heard when it comes to the development of that project. Two, we have a responsibility to be great partners with MST. Uh, and three, we have a responsibility to make sure that these projects work for the future of the city of Vancouver. And so when I see uh, Jericho, I, I look at the future. I see community centres, I see daycares, I see, you know, uh, restaurants and schools, mm-hmm. and I see the ability, uh, I have these conversations all the time where, you know, you, you'll have um, an elderly couple in, let's say, Dunbar, um, who would love to downsize and stay in the neighbourhood. The downsizing is easy, but there's nowhere to go, and all their friends are leaving the region as well. And if we had Jericho built, they could actually stay in the region, and they can actually stay in the region where their kids may have their families. And so these are opportunities, and I, I, we, we fully support them. Ken, we've run out of time. Look forward to having you on very soon again. Thank you so much. Jazz, thank you very much.